If you would, please turn off the computer sound uh, that was on earlier when we were testing a video. So, please do that. All right, everybody, turn in your Bibles to the book of Acts, Acts chapter number 16. I was actually already preparing a, um, a series for Sunday School um, in the book of Philippians. So we'll be looking at the book of Philippians together for the next several, several weeks and starting this week. This week will be more of an introductory um, to the book and how the church even got started there in the first place, um, which the story is given in Acts chapter number 16. So let's talk a little bit. Well, first, before I do that, does anybody have a memory verse this morning? A memory verse. We don't want to skip that. Does anybody have a memory verse they want to share with the rest of the class? Um, I've got a verse. Whosoever, whoso findeth a wife, findeth a good thing, and obtaineth favor from the Lord. That's, it's my first Sunday being back, and it's a good thing to be being married. I, you know, Lexi and I are having the time of our lives. So. so we thank you for your prayers and all that, and are excited to get back into ministry. Mrs. Slegel. Amen. Good. Anybody else? Mrs. Livingston. All right. Anybody else? Both of the spirits. Let's go Mrs. Spear first. Dallas, come up here, and he can hand out candy to the ones who said a verse. Um, in the future, in, the, in this class, um, I l- encourage you to do memory verses, but memory verses from the week before. Um, I think it helps immensely to memorize verses when you know what it's actually talking about and the context surrounding the verse. It helps you um, picture it and even just use some expression when you say it. So, um, so, for instance, today we're going to be looking at the introduction, and Paul's introduction is the first two verses of Philippians. So, the next week, if you want to do a memory verse, then maybe memorize one of those two verses. We're going to be looking at, uh, there's four chapters in Philippians, so roughly, you know, around 100 verses. And so, if you, and over the course of 14 weeks, and we'll be, we're going to be looking at three, four, five verses each week, and if you could memorize Three, four verses each week, you'll have the whole book of Philippians memorized by June. Um, that's just a little 
incentive. If anybody can memorize the whole thing, I might buy them something, something special. But anyways, that's just a little, little help for you. We're going to be looking at, so then if you want to memorize a verse for next week, memorize verses one or two, and then next week after that, three, one of the verses between three and seven. But anyways, let's get started. Philippians. Now, Philippians was um, the letter written to the church at Philippi. Philippi. Now, um, as we see in Acts chapter number 16, Paul actually started this church in a, in a very interesting way, and we'll be looking at that. But he started on his second missionary journey. He got back from his first, and then they were sent out again, and he had a, he had a tiff with Barnabas um, in Acts chapter number 15. And then Paul decided, okay, Barnabas, you go your way, and I'll take Silas and go mine. And so then they went on their journey, and on that journey that we can read in, in chapter 16, verse 1, Then came he to Derbe and Lystra. And behold, a certain disciple was there, named Timotheus, the son of a certain woman, which was a Jewess, and believed. But his father was a Greek, which was re- well reported of by the brethren that were at Lystra and Iconium. Him would Paul have to go forth with him, took and circumcised him because of the Jews which were in those quarters, for they knew all that his father was a Greek. So it's talking about Timotheus, and Timotheus started traveling with Paul as well. Um, and then we can look in verse 6. Now, when they had gone throughout Phrygia and the region of Galatia and were forbidden of the Holy Ghost to preach the word in Asia, after they were come to Mysia, they essayed to go unto Bithynia. But the Spirit suffered them not, and they, passing by Mysia, came down to Troas. And a vision appeared to Paul in the, in the night. There stood a man of Macedonia and prayed him, saying, Come over into Macedonia and help us. And after he had seen the vision, immediately we endeavored to go into Macedonia assuredly gathering that the Lord had called us for to preach the gospel unto them. Therefore, loosing from Troas, loosing, being loosing a ship, sailing across the channel, we came from, with a straight course to Samothracia, and this, and this next day to Neapolis, and from thence to Philippi, which is the chief city of that part of Macedonia. Philippi was a city of Macedonia. It was located about 9 to 10 miles inland of the Aegean Sea. This bustling city was originally known by a couple of other names, but when Alexander the Great's father, Philip, seized the invaluable gold mines, the region's invaluable gold mines, it then went under his, the name of the conqueror. So it was Roman. When it later came under Roman rule, later on, there were soon after some disputes between cons- conspirators and the Roman government. When that was all said and done, a privilege was granted to the Philippian colony where it was allowed to be self-governed. It is probable that with its Roman tax exemption, Philippi was very conducive to successful business. This was a thriving city. This would be like New York City in America. Very thriving. Um, the, widow, the widow Lydia, later seen, was a seller of purple. And no doubt, in order to be a seller of such an extravagant color, there had to be people that had the money to buy it. And so Lydia was a seller of purple. In Philippi. So Philippi was a well-to-do city. We'll look at the, a map here. First of all. Oh, we're back here. There we go. Let me start at the beginning. There we go. So here is a little map. And there, the small, small words. That, this is what it would have been in, in Paul's day. So Paul comes up from here on the missionary journey. You can see my red dot through the Persian Empire. Comes up here and wants to go this way. Keeps on one, twice wants to go this way to Asia. But then he stops, and it goes across the channel, and there's Philippi up there. I'll show you a different map that's a little better. This is modern day, 
this is Turkey over here. This is modern-day Turkey and Greece. Um, here's another map. Here's a, here's a timeline we'll look at before we look at the other map. A timeline, kind of a, and there's several different dates you can throw out. But Paul went on his first missionary journey, and he stayed kind of close to home, uh, right around Israel, only venturing out a little bit. And then he came back, went out again on his second missionary journey, and that's when he went to Philippi. Um, second missionary, missionary journey, it says here, 51 to 53. That's a rough guess. There's, there's you know, debate or opinions otherwise. But around that period, second missionary journey, that's when he went to um, Philippi and started that church there. During this time, he wrote the letter of Galatians. And the letters, first and second Thessalonians, and then later on his third missionary journey, when he went back to Philippians, he wrote Corinthians and then Romans. And then later, after he, was, he, after he went to Rome and became imprisoned, he wrote the books Ephesians, Colossians, Philemon, Philippians, the book that we're going to look at now, and then the couple to Timothy and the, the one to Titus. It's very possible that the Philippian letter was the very last letter to a church that Paul ever wrote. It's possible that that was the last letter to a church that he ever wrote before eventually being martyred for Christ. So that's our timeline. And I just I like that timeline. It's very simple. I like that it shows Acts there and different chapters of what that happened. So roughly we can guess around 60 to 62 AD is when Philippians was written. Um, next one. This shows Paul's missionary journey. So as I said before, down here is Jerusalem. He went up here on a second missionary journey. Here's kind of where he had the tiff with Barnabas and left him, took Silas. Went through Galatia, the book of Galatians, and then Phrygia, and they came over here. And right about here, after Phrygia and Galatia, says in Acts 16, he wanted to go to Asia, go this way. But God said no. So then he came over here to Mysia, and he, still, and he wanted to go to still this way, uh, Bithynia, over here. God still said no. And because God said no... Paul went across the channel there and went over to Philippi, which is way up here. Philippi, Thessalonica, Corinth down here, Ephesus over here. So the reason why we have the book of Philippians, why the Philippian church was even started, was because Paul listened to God and didn't go to Asia, which he wanted to do, and said went to Macedonia. So Philippi was actually the first church started over in Europe. Paul's first missionary journey was all concentrated right here. So on the second, he went, went over there, started a church in Philippi. Now, let's read in Acts chapter number 16 about the starting of this church. Um, verse 13 of Acts 16. And on the Sabbath, we went out of the city by a riverside, where prayer was wont to be made. And we sat down and spake unto the women which resorted thither. And a certain woman named Lydia, a seller of purple of the city of Thyatira, which worshipped God, heard us, whose heart the Lord opened that she attended unto the things which were spoken of Paul. And when she was baptized in her household, she besought us, saying, If ye have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come into my house and abide there. And she constrained us. Verse 16, And it came to pass as we went to prayer, a certain damsel possessed with a spirit of divination met us, which brought her master's much gain by the soothsaying. The same followed Paul and us and cried, saying, These men are the servants of the Most High God, which show unto us the way of salvation. So it's interesting that even though this, 
this damsel was possessed with an evil spirit, the evil spirit couldn't help but speak out the truth about Paul and Silas. These are the men that bring about salvation. The servants of the Most High God would show unto us the way of salvation. And this did she many days. She didn't just do this one day in the marketplace. She did this many days, crying after them, following them around, saying, hey, these guys are servants of the Most High God. They can show us unto us the way of salvation. But Paul, being grieved, turned and said to the spirit, I command thee in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And it came out the same hour. And when her master saw that the hope of their gains was gone, they caught Paul and Silas and drew them into the marketplace unto the rulers and brought them to the magistrates, saying, These men, being Jews, do exceedingly trouble the city, our city, and teach customs which are not lawful for us to receive, neither to observe, being Romans. And the multitude rose up together against them, and the magistrates rent off their clothes and commanded to beat them. And when they had laid them many stripes upon them, they cast them into prison, charging the jailer to keep them safely, who, having received such a charge, thrust them into the inner prison and made their feet fast in the stocks. The jailer knew that if these prisoners would escape, his own life would be taken because they, he allowed them to escape. So he made sure that they were going to be extra, extra, extra secure. Verse 25, And at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God. And the prisoners heard them. That's an amazing phrase. The prisoners heard them. Why is that included in the Bible? It's important. The prisoners heard them, and suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened, and everyone's bands were loosed. And the keeper of the prisoner, awaking out of his sleep, And seeing the prison doors open, he drew out his sword and would have killed himself, supposing that the prisoners had been fled. But Paul cried with a loud voice, saying, Do thyself no harm, for we are all here. So does that include Paul and Silas? Yeah. But does that include more than Paul and Silas? Because there's other prisoners with Paul and Silas. So if Paul says we're all here, he's not just referring to Paul and Silas, he's referring to everybody. All the prisoners are still here. The bands, the, the doors are open, but we're still all here. For we are all here. Then he called for a light and sprang in and came trembling and fell down before Paul and Silas and brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Or let me read it a different way too. What must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved in thy house. And they spake unto him the word of the Lord, and to all that were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night, and washed their stripes, and was baptized he in all his straight way. And when he had brought them into his house, he sat, he sat meat before them, and rejoiced, believing in God with all his house. And when it was day, the magistrate sent the sergeant, saying, Let those men go. And the keeper of the prison told this, saying to Paul, The magistrates have sent to let you go. Now therefore depart and go in peace. But Paul said unto them, They have beaten us openly uncondemned, being Romans. And have cast us into prison, and now do they thrust us out privily. Nay, verily, but let them come themselves and fetch us out. And the sergeants told these words unto the magistrates, and they feared when they heard that they were Romans. And they came and besought them, and brought them out, and desired them to depart out of the city. And they, were, and they went out of the prison and entered into the house of Lydia and when they had seen the brethren they comforted them and they comforted them and departed 
So how did they get out of it? Well, they went to the house. The, the jailer and his family got saved. And then when they came to, to bring them out of the prison and have them stand before the council, Paul pulls out his Roman card, his, his green card or whatever you want to call it, his Roman card and says, hey, you did wrong because you whipped us, you beat us, and you didn't even know that we were Romans. It was a terrible thing for you to try a Roman or to, to beat a Roman without a trial. And Paul didn't really get one. Um, so they were scared to death because Paul was a Roman. And it doesn't say just Paul was a Roman. It says Silas was a Roman too. So we can even see that even though Paul had a tiff with Barnabas, it's possible that, well, of course it's possible because God allowed that to happen. Why? So then Paul could bring with him a Roman friend into Roman country. And so then they would be released because they're both Romans. And they actually... They, they were scared to death, and they actually were begging them to leave our coast. Just get out of here. We don't want to, because they were in trouble. So if you leave, then our trouble will leave. And then Paul, and they went into the house of Lydia, where the church was started in a, in a women's house. And, and after they comforted the brethren, then they departed. So this is how the church was started. Acts 16 is where we read of Paul's, Paul's first trip to Macedonia, to Philippi. Um, they went and they started the Philippian church in a most unique way. Uh, they met at a prayer meeting with a, with, a, with a wealthy woman, Lydia. And then their second convert was a demonic that was healed and um, the demonic thrown out of her. And then their third convict, convict, convert, their third convert, they were convicts, the third convert was the Philippian jailer. But you can even, we, can, we, we can read this and say the prisoners heard them, verse 25, and then verse 31, verse 30, the jailer says, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? What must I do to be saved? It's not, it's not a huge step of faith, I, I would think, to even maybe assume that those prisoners got saved. Because why else would they stay in the prison? Because it says the prisoner heard them singing and singing psalms. And then where does the jailer, where does the jailer, where did the jailer get the idea like, what must I do to be saved? Unless it was already talked about. Like maybe he heard a testimony of, of something before. Maybe the, maybe the prisoners got saved. So here we have this church at Philippi. And Paul's writing this letter to the Philippians. And he knows that there's a wealthy widow named Lydia. There's an ex- demonic possessed damsel there there's a jailer and there's probably a bunch of ex-convicts there too in the church so this is a very diverse church and it's another picture of a melting pot the church is the original melting pot and once you get saved you're under Jesus Christ's family Jesus Christ's family is more important than your physical family because that will last eternity now if your physical family gets saved and is in Jesus Christ's family Praise the Lord, they're going to heaven. But there's no such thing as, I mean, when, when the Bible says that, you know, we're going to be as brother and sister in heaven. So it's going to be one big family. So which matters? The spiritual family. And that was the melting pot. Well, I'll quickly go over to the next slide. Philippians, the book of Philippians. This is, so I've outlined the whole book. And we'll just go over the first couple of verses today. But Paul's commencement, all of them, all of these 15 points, 
14, 14 lessons can start with Paul's C. I've, I'm, I'm an alliteration guy. I like, to, I like to line things up starting with the same letter to keep it organized in my own mind and hopefully for you too. So Paul's commencement next week will probably be Paul's cheerfulness. But Paul's commencement in verse 1 and 2. Is this mic still on, Daniel? Thank you. Verse 1 and 2. So, here we have, first of all, we see its authors. Now, let's turn over to Philippians chapter 1. Philippians chapter 1. We read the background in Acts chapter number 16. Philippians 1. I might be the only one that's not there. Philippians chapter number 1. So, Paul's writing this, and he's writing this from prison. So we see its authors in verse 1, Philippians chapter 1 and verse 1. Paul and Timotheus, the servants of Jesus Christ, to all the saints in Christ Jesus, which are at Philippi with the bishops and deacons, grace be unto you, and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul and Timotheus, the servants of Jesus Christ. So first we see its authors. In his commencement, in his introduction, we see his authors. The book's authors, Paul and Timotheus. Now, it's interesting because Paul, and until I was digging in this, I didn't see it, but Paul and Timotheus, the servants of Jesus Christ. Now, what was Paul? Paul was an apostle. Paul had, the, had every reason to say, Paul, the apostle of Jesus Christ, and Timotheus, your servant. In fact, in other books, it said, Paul, the apostle of Jesus Christ, and Timotheus, our brother, to the saints in Christ Jesus, which are Philippi, or Colossae, or whatever. But this is the only time, this is the only letter, which Paul singularly describes himself as, as a servant. There's another letter where he describes himself as a servant, but he calls himself an apostle and the servant of Jesus Christ. This is the only time when he says, I'm just a servant. And whenever... Somebody's in leadership. Whenever somebody has a title, there is no greater title as a Christian than to have the title of servant. There's no greater title than to have the title of servant. It doesn't. Paul Paul realized when he's writing this book, his last book, to a church. Hey, I'm just going to call myself a servant, probably because he knew that in, in chapter number two, he's going to talk about Jesus Christ. In chapter number 2, he's going to say, Let his mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being the form of God, thought not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant. So maybe he knew that he was going to write that. And so he said, You know what? All that doesn't matter. I'm just going to call myself a servant. That's it. I'm going to... And now think about it. The Philippian church knew Paul as a as an apostle. I mean, he came and started the church. He was the guy. But yet Paul says, hey, I'm just reminding you, I'm a servant. There's no greater joy than to be a servant of Jesus Christ. A deacon is a servant. I hope that every man in here should desire the office of a deacon, whether you can actually have that official title or not. All of us should be deaconing. Deaking, as my dad says. A servant. Paul and Timotheus, the servants of Jesus Christ, to all the saints in Christ Jesus, which are at Philippi. To all the saints in Christ Jesus. So we see the authors. We also see its audience, the Philippian church. To all the saints in Christ Jesus, which are at Philippi. So this is to the prisoners. This is to the jailer. This is to Lydia. This is to the demonic, ex-demonic woman. 
This is to everybody. And then it also says, with the bishops and deacons. The word of God is not just to the pastors or to the deacons or to those who have a position. It's to everybody with the bishops and deacons. Grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. So we see its author, we see its audience, we also see its aspiration. Grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. All of Paul's letters are very similar in his introduction, in his commencement, in his beginning of his, of his letter, of his exhortation. All of it's very similar. Grace be unto you and peace from God our Father. But let's think about this. Grace be unto you. And peace from God our Father. You know what? It's possible that you may not know what to pray for about a certain person. But you can never go wrong in praying that they'll have grace. Because, for instance, um, somebody is dying of cancer or something. So we don't, know, we don't know what God's will is. We want them to stay with us. But what if, what if we just prayed, Lord, whatever happens, whatever you decide for our lives, all we want is for your grace, for us to have your grace to be able to handle whatever you give us. Grace, I've, devel- I've developed my own definition of that. You can, you can fight with me if you want, but grace to me is the supernatural ability to do that which we could not do without. So God gives us grace to get to heaven. That supernatural ability to get to heaven, we can't do without. We, we couldn't get to heaven without his grace. But that's beyond... Grace is not just for salvation. Grace is for everyday Christian life. The supernatural ability to to do that, which we could not do without grace. We can't live our everyday life without grace. We should view our our lives as in need. We are all in need of grace. So Paul says, grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be unto you and peace. And peace. Is that, just, is that just physical peace? Peace here on earth. Or is that spiritual peace as well? You know, um, when we think of peace, we think of you know, a calm, understanding, outwardly, physically, not stressed out, um, but there's also a spiritual peace that, first of all, starts with salvation. You have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. But then also in Philippians, later on, we'll look in, a, in, a, in several weeks, it says, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts. Let the peace of God. You know, so there's, a, there's another peace. So there's a peace that's developed by circumstances, which God is in control of. But there's also another piece that we ourselves are in control of. It says, let the peace of God. So if you don't let the peace of God rule in your hearts, what does that mean? Well, what if, what if peace is at the door knocking at the door because he wants to come in? And if you were to let him in, that would mean opening the door and letting him in. But what if you can't open the door because there's stuff in your life that you can't open the door and let anything else in because there's not enough space? Let's the peace of God. What, is there any sin in our life that we need to get out, to get rid of? Is there any junk in our life that's just not, maybe not be sin, but something that is has become a sin because now it's, become, it's, between, it's come between you and God and peace. 
uh, there's a play on words that's no him, no peace. So N-O, him, N-O, peace. And then there's another play of words, no him, no peace, K-N-O-W, K-N-O-W, no him, no peace. And later on in Philippians, Paul writes and says that I may know him and the fellowship of his sufferings. He just wants to know Jesus Christ better. Is that our desire today? Is just to know God more. Just to know him more. You can never know enough of God. Uh, and by the way, this letter was written to a church. To a church. Can, you, can we know him more? We can know him more by reading our Bibles, but there's also something about coming to a local assembly and being taught the word from somebody else's perspective. You know, um, we need to trust our pastor that he's, given, uh, he's giving us what God has given him to give us. Sometimes we think, oh, that's just his opinion. No, he's the pastor because he's your pastor. And, and the, that's the difference between the pastor and the rest of the people is that's his job. That's his calling. That's, God has given them the gift of prophecy and also the understanding, oftentimes more insight in the word of God to expound to us what we should know and we don't know. So, one thing I just want to state real quickly is that um, Philippians, the whole book, is a book of joy. Book of joy. Paul is writing and says, Grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. The word joy or some, one of its synonyms or rejoice is used more than any other letter that Paul writes. And Paul's in prison. It's the last letter to a church. He's about to get, he's, he knows death is coming. And he writes to be joyful. He's, he, he actually tells the church that he's actually more joyful than they are. Um, for me to live is Christ, but to die is gain. You know, living is wonderful, but to die is even more beneficial to me than living as Christ here on earth. So, as we, as we approach the book of Philippians, and for the next 13 weeks, 14 including this week, studying this, let's remember, this is coming, coming from somebody who's on death's doorstep. This is, somebody co- coming, this is coming from somebody who knows they're going to die, who knows that, that any moment the door's going to open and he's going to walk through and his head's going to be cut off for the cause of Christ. But yet he's telling the church, hey, I want you to be joyful. I want to stay alive so I can help you. That's what he's saying later on. So it's aspiration. I want to ask you one question, though. One thought. I know I've done a lot of thoughts today, but one thought as you're leaving, as we're done, what would you do to see the gospel spread? What would you do to see the gospel spread? Paul went through a lot. He was put in stocks. And when he was put in stocks and, and unlawfully, um, we know Christians today, Christians in this day and age might eventually be put in stocks unlawfully. But Paul didn't call the lawyer, Christian Law Association, hey, get me out of here. He started singing and praising God. And I'm not saying that you can't call a lawyer if something happens, but Paul's first resort was Jesus Christ. And I heard something recently in a sermon. I thought it was so good. Christ is not should not ever be our last resort when it comes to prayer. 
Christ also should never be your first resort. Christ is your only resort. He's not your first, he's not your last, he's your only resort. And so Paul, when he was in prison, he was praying and singing, and the prisoners heard them. He was a testimony. Paul went through a lot to see the Philippian church started. And of all the books that Paul wrote, there's so little negativity in the Philippian book. He's very happy with them. He's very excited with what God's doing, and he's encouraging them to be joyful in the Lord. So what are you going to do to see the gospel spread? What are you willing to give up to see that spread? We're going to be looking at this in several weeks. Next week will be verses 3 to 7. And if you want to memorize some verses for next week, uh, 1 and 2 is a great verse, or, or memorize 1 of three, 3 to 7, but I encourage you to do that. Let's pray, and we'll be dismissed. Dear Lord, I thank you for today. I thank you for this lesson in, in Philippians. I pray, Lord, that, um, that something was gleaned from it. I know it was a little scattered, Lord, and there's lots of thoughts, lots of, lots of things we can look at going into this study on, the, on your book, Lord, and uh, on the life of Paul. We thank you, Lord, for his example. We thank you, Lord, for your word, and that we can rest on it, trust in it solely with our lives. Pray, Lord, we have a good rest of the day and services. I pray, Lord, the ones who are sick and not feeling good, that they would, they would find comfort and ha- receive your grace to do what you want them to do next. I thank you, Lord, for today and this opportunity. In Jesus' name, amen. We are dismissed till morning service.